Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe on your live, local and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Life the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig White. Glad to have you with us. Also joined by Jeff Howe, my co host, Horns 24 7. He's been very, very busy. What with uh, uh, Longhorn practice going on, Pro Timing Day is today, and of course, our producer. Cameron Parker. Uh, I'm up here in Kansas City. Big 12 men's and women's basketball tournaments underway. Uh, the men begin their first full day of four games. They had the two play-in games last night. Uh, West Virginia uh, uh, putting an end, really, realistically, uh, to uh, Texas Tech season with a win over the Red Raiders last night, 78-62. West Virginia will play Kansas today, a Kansas team that will be without head coach Bill Self missing the game. Uh, due to an illness, we're told. And uh, and then, of course, the uh, other game was Oklahoma State and Oklahoma last night. Oklahoma State beating OU. So now it's Oklahoma State and Texas uh, meeting at 6 o'clock tonight. But the tournament will get underway uh, in uh, less than a half an hour. In fact, uh, in a little over uh, 15 minutes from now, they'll start uh, just a few blocks from us uh, down at T-Mobile Center with uh, Baylor and Iowa State, the three versus six matchup in in that one. Jeff, I, I have to say, I I can't quite remember a Big Twelve tournament that has as many different uh, side stories as this one does. Normally, when you get into this tournament, the main stories are obviously a the the tournament itself, and b uh, the uh, subsets of that being uh, what what's the impact of winning and losing in this event? Do you have to play your way uh, with a win or two or more to get into the field of 64? That's the situation I think squarely staring Oklahoma State in the face. Uh, I saw that Joe Lenardi did push them from being the top team in their first four out to being in the last four in based on their win last night over Oklahoma. Do they stay there if they beat Tex- if they lose to Texas? If they beat Texas, I think they're they're definitely in. So uh, some of that has to do with what else is going on. North Carolina is still trying to get there. I asked Jerry Palm yesterday about three teams that were on the bubble: North Carolina, Michigan, and and Oklahoma State, and who was in the best and worst positions, that sort of thing. So uh, you have those are the normal things we hear, but then you have uh, on top of that the uh, 
uh, the weird thing with Iowa State with Caleb Grill, uh, you know, being dismissed from the team. Uh, they'd had some discord on the team, and now uh, they get ready to play Baylor. Uh, you have uh, TCU with Eddie Lampkin Jr. announcing yesterday he's left the team. Uh, you have the Texas Tech Mark Adams thing. He stepped down yesterday, uh, resigned, and it's kind of an ignominious end to what uh, folks had thought was a real promising start when they won 27 ball games and got to the Sweet 16 a year ago. But this weird, bizarre story with um, him supposedly quoting the Bible and it uh, came off to racially insensitive comments and whether he spit or, as he said, slobbered on a player. It's bizarre. I'm, I'm still having a hard time dealing with that. And and then the day, Bill Self's not even – going to be there because of an illness thing now i'm sure he'll probably be back tomorrow for the semifinal assuming kansas can handle its business to be west virginia but there's more weird stories or, or different stories surrounding this event than what you normally have which is just basketball and can a team play their way in or will they play their way off the bubble or can they improve their seed line that sort of stuff uh you know Texas fan, get, get your head right for it. Uh, during this game, you're going to hear stuff about Chris Beard being connected to the Ole Miss job during the yep. game broadcast. You are. You just you will. Yeah. And and Ole Miss, by the way, won its play-in game over South Carolina last night. And continuing the irony, who do they play next? Tennessee, coached by one-time Longhorn head coach Rick Barnes. Uh, everything I've been told, Jeff, is that uh, Ole Miss – Athletic administration is the way to put this, is merely waiting for the Rebels to be eliminated from the SEC tournament to put the final pieces in place yeah. to hire Chris Beard as head coach. That's that's everything I've that I've learned up here and talking to folks up here. That's uh the the situation that I understand it to be. And this is uh, you know, even before they fired Kermit Davis, Craig, we we were talking about this as yeah. This seemed like it was the uh, of if Chris Beard was going to get a power six job, this uh, was the most. This was the odds-on favorite when the lines were set. Right, and while it might have made for a quote-unquote fun and comfortable rumor to suggest the thought that he would entertain and that Texas Tech would even entertain visiting with him uh, about a return to Lubbock, I think everybody really knew realistically that was not going to happen. It was not going to happen. I, I don't think it would have happened on either end. In other words, I don't think Texas Tech administration would have shown interest in it simply because of the way things ended and what has happened since. And, and um, I'm pretty certain that, that uh, Chris Beard would not have been interested in a return to Texas Tech after the way uh, that uh, you know Tech fans handled his departure and the way things went after that. I, I, I think that that was, that was never going to happen. Uh, but the uh, but like you said, the Ole Miss thing seemed to be a plausible uh, course of action. And and now, uh, again, to repeat, but the, the things that I've learned up here just yesterday and last night at the ballgame up here is that uh, the word is that, that uh, athletic administration at Ole Miss is at this point merely waiting for the Rebels to be eliminated from the SEC tournament, which may well happen today against Tennessee. Although I would caution you, they played Tennessee tough this year when they played them. So we'll see. And there's no but, no Zakai Ziegler for Tennessee either. And no Zakai Ziegler. How how will the Volunteers go without him? Which also, uh, incidentally, affects and can affect uh, the the uh, mindset of the NCAA tournament selection committee 
You know, what? Uh, how do they view Tennessee uh, without Zakai Ziegler? Or, uh, you know, it, I think what uh, Jerry Palm, I think, had them as a four seed, had them dropped a four seed, and, and, uh, and maybe Joe Lenardi had, had them as a three seed uh, still. So uh, how does the, the – and, and that's been a, always a popular discussion is how does an injury uh, frame the tournament selection committee's mindset when they see, select and seed the field of 64 and you're basically uh, basing it on what your um, – you know, basically basing it on what on what you've done to that point was that the Bill Parr says you Bill Parcells thing you are what your record says you are yeah. that kind of thing. But you may be what your record says you are, but you may not be the same team if you've lost a key member of that team in compiling that record. The the two big ones, Craig, that I can think of, and there's I know there's got to be one more reason, but the two that always jump out to me, and I don't know, it's like when you're younger, it seems like you retain more stuff like this. Boy, I, remember, I know where you're going with this. The, I, remember, I know where you're well, going. The two that I can think of, the 97 tournament, I remember there was a big discussion about Syracuse because they had, well, they were 19 and uh, 19 and 12, but they had lost Lawrence Moten for a pretty big chunk of the year. And they were clearly a different team with him than without him. Syracuse got left out of the tournament. You go to that 2000 tournament, Kenya Martin gets hurt in the Conference USA tournament for Cincinnati, which were they were they undefeated in the regular season or maybe one loss at that point? One I, loss, I, forget, I think. Yeah. He, you know, it's a, I think it's a tib-fib fracture done for the rest of the tournament. Cincinnati still gets a one seed, and I think we all looked at that bracket and said, yeah, they're not making it through. And it's it's not a matter of if, it's who's going to knock them off. And it wound up being that Tulsa team coached by Bill Self that ended up getting to Austin for that uh, that uh, that Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. Yep, yep. And that's, and that's what in turn got him the Illinois job and eventually led him to Kansas. Uh, I remember – I was just sitting on workout day on, on uh, press road that day in 2000 and Tulsa is getting ready to play in the sweet 16. And, uh, and, and he just, he happened to notice me and came over and like, how you doing? He, I'd first met him when he was coaching Oral Roberts and we chatted and I thought, here's a guy getting his team ready to play a sweet 16 game. And he's awful loose. And they were, and they won that and got to the elite eight against North Carolina. Um, I'm sorry, no. since he was a two seed that year, they were the two. Yeah, yeah. So they so, got knocked down a notch, but still, Cincinnati without Kenyon Martin, they were probably weren't even a top four seed right. without Kenyon Martin. I totally agree with you. Well, uh, Jerry Palm updated his bracket at 6 o'clock this morning. So this is pretty fresh. This is as of 6 a.m. this morning. He has Tennessee still as a four seed in Greensboro playing a 13-seed Yale with uh, – and then uh, – having to deal with probably Duke in Greensboro in the second round with Duke a five seed uh, against a 12 seed Virginia Commonwealth. Uh, by the way, it, if that were to play out like that, Jeff, as you know, that would not be the first time Rick Barnes would have had to play Duke in the second round of the NCAA tournament in Greensboro. Nope. Happened in 09. I can still see that baseline jumper from Damian James and went off the rim. Uh, Texas was down a point, then they had to foul, and they ended up losing by five. But it was – Second game. He still has Texas as the number two seed. Um, he's got him in Denver. This is in the Midwest that would uh, that would uh, feed through to Kansas City. So he's got him there. He's got Houston as the one seed in the Midwest. He has Kansas still in the one seed in the East, although opening in Des Moines, but has them slated to play through to Madison Square Garden 
And as far as other Big 12 schools go, he has TCU's still a five uh, playing in Albany against Sam Houston, uh, projected for the WAC. By the way, congratulations to Texas A&M Corpus Christi winning the Southland Conference Tournament yesterday. You know who's fired up about that. Found this out yesterday. I know Cam knows the answer to this question. I think you know, Cam. Who in our building is most fired up about the Islanders of Texas A&M Corpus Christi advancing back to the NCAA tournament? Jacob Standard. Absolutely. Jacob Standard of our staff who uh, went there, and he told me that. I said, you were a Speedo Aggie? I did not realize that. <laughs> that was a, a nickname for them that I think Longhorn baseball fans came up with, calling them Speedo Aggies. And he said, yes, I was. And my wife so went he, there for a semester. Does that count? Sure it does. I went to UNC Wilmington for a semester, and I was fired up hoping the Seahawks could have gotten through, and they didn't get through. They lost in the championship game to Charleston in the Colonial there on uh, Tuesday night. I had it on in the booth while calling the baseball game. I was hoping for the Seahawks, a former coaching stop, by the way, of Rodney Terry. He was an assistant at UNCW under Jerry Wainwright at one time. I was hoping that the Seahawks would have gotten through. They did not. I think they'll be in the NIT, but they did not uh, win that. And, and another one of my alma maters now, I spent two years at this alma mater, North Lake College in Irving is the top seed in the uh, National Junior College Division II National Tournament, there the Blazers go. of North Lake College, where I was their PA announcer. Uh, in uh, in junior in junior college, the North Lake Blazers there. But anyway, the uh, uh, he still has Purdue, the number one seed in the West. He has Baylor as the three seed in the West, matching up with Kennesaw State, and uh, that would be in Columbus. He has Iowa State as the seven seed in Des Moines, matching up with Memphis. Ooh, that'd be a good seven versus ten matchup. And the winner of that. Probably to get Chaka Smart in the second round, this would be in Des Moines. He does have Iowa State getting to play in Des Moines as a seven seed. And Marquette against Vermont in the other uh, matchup uh, there as far as Big 12 uh, schools go. Got Kansas State as a oh, three the cat, seed. The Catamounts. Uh, that's right, of uh, Vermont. And and that's who um, uh, Joe Lenardi had Texas matched up with. Uh, let me make sure he still has it that way. Uh, he updated late last night, and looking at uh, Lenardi's bracket, yep, he's got Texas and Vermont playing in Birmingham, and that feeding ultimately into the West Regional in Las Vegas. Uh, the other uh, Big 12 positions, he has Baylor still as a two-seed um, playing in Denver against Montana State. Joe Lenardi has a great deal more regard for the Big 12 in terms of his seed line than, say, Jerry Palm. But when we had Jerry on the program yesterday, Jerry was talking about how the Big 12 was far and away the best league in the country. Um, And the other uh, Big 12 schools, uh, he's got West Virginia in as a nine uh, playing in Birmingham. Uh, Kansas is the one seed in Des Moines, slated for Kansas City. I think that's probably going to be the case there. Iowa State is a five seed in Albany playing Oral Roberts. That could be a dangerous matchup. Uh, That's in the East Regional uh, there. So there's some of those uh, uh, bracketological prognostications, Jeff. Um, So there's there's that for you. By the way, I I look back at that Austin Regional uh, in 2000. Yes. Some names I haven't thought of in a minute. Uh, Miami of Florida was here, coached by Leonard Hamilton. Uh, John Salmons was on that Miami team. Yes, he you, was. You had uh, you had Bill Self's Tulsa team. 
you also had Tennessee. Marcus Hayslip was a first-round pick at one point in an early 2000s NBA draft. Jerry Green coaching that yep. team. And coming out of that bracket was North Carolina, Brendan Haywood, Joseph Forte, and how about Ronald Curry and Julius Peppers on that Final Four team for Carolina? Yeah, what went, uh, went to the semifinals, lost to Florida, and then Florida lost to Michigan State. Yes, uh, with the Flintstones. Yes, uh, with them. Yeah, um, uh, and by the way, um, uh, Joe Lenardi has <clears throat> Oklahoma State in the field. He's got him in Dayton right now in an eleven seed matchup with Penn State, and so that's coming off the win last night for the Cowboys against uh, Oklahoma. So, again, tonight may determine more of that, uh, and and we'll see how it goes uh, for the other teams on that. Um, uh, but, uh, yes, Alabama, uh, Jerry Palmer is Alabama the number one seed in the South. By the way, he's got Texas A&M as the five seed in the South matched up with Oral Roberts in Greensboro. Um, and I mentioned the other uh, – and he has West Virginia in as a 10 seed matched up with Kentucky playing in Sacramento in the first round. So West Virginia certainly helped itself by eliminating Texas Tech last night, and they may still be in the field even if losing to Kansas. That wouldn't do an awful lot of damage to them, I don't think. Now, they could possibly wind up in Dayton instead of in uh, the regular field of 64, but we'll find out about that coming up. Hey, Craig, I was looking at at that national championship Michigan State team, and I, yes. re- I remember this game because I remember Chris Mim made it in the Sports Illustrated because of it. Did you call the Texas win upset of Michigan State in the Puerto Rico shootout? Uh, you know who did that? John Madani. Did he really? It was it was uh, Bill Schoening and I were doing uh, the football game with A&M that weekend. Okay. That was Thanksgiving weekend. Teflon, John Madani. Te- Teflon John's not turning down a trip to Puerto Rico. No, he went, and, and I'm going to see John tonight because he's producing for ESPN Radio. In fact, I I uh, texted John last night because I explained this at the top of the program. They've redone the media configuration here. All the, yeah. the writing media sits up in the hockey box. Yes. W- way up top, and only the radio and TV people are on the floor because they've sold seats all the way down through where they normally have a second row and a third row of media, but they've sold seats – and they were all sold. I mean, you're talking about a seven versus ten late night play in that had over seventeen thousand last night. There, there were some so, some of my media colleagues thought I was joking about that, but Brett Yormark said that at Big Twelve Media Day, those are premium seats, and he wants to sell them. And my God, he, he sold them. He did. I mean, those seats were filled. And uh, so when 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 uh, Dave Garrett and and Eddie Orn and I walked into the building, I said, "Fellas, we may have a tough time finding a seat here." We'll we'll see, and we go uh, walking through, and and all of a sudden I see three empty seats right at midcourt on the first row, and I walk over and I looked at the at the tags and it said ESPN Radio. I said, "Oh, these are Madani seats." <laughs> so we sat down and I texted John, and I said, "Hey, uh, are you you coming out tonight?" Or, or uh, I said, "We jumped into your seats." He goes, "You're welcome to them. We'll be there tomorrow." And then right after that, Tyler Denning from Longhorn Network who is broadcasting some of the women's tournaments games, came by and goes, hey, you're in my seat. And we had a, we had a laugh over So we had a great seat to watch those games last night. Uh, those will be occupied tonight by uh, Mark Kestisher and, uh, and uh, John Madani and the rest of the ESPN radio crew. So they'll be there uh, for that. But John did that game 
against Michigan State, the 99-2000 season. Chris Mim had a huge game, if I remember correctly, yeah. in, in that game when they beat uh, Michigan State uh, that day down in uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, that was uh, Thanksgiving weekend of 99. Uh, going into the 99-2000 season, of course, and Michigan State went on and won the national title. All right, up next, we have UIL State Basketball Tournament games going on right now. In fact, one final already in the books. We'll tell you about that with our Flex 30 update. We have our second-hour Longhorn Notebook to come as well when we continue to light the tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Ball. Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. We continue with light the tower on the horn. Craig Way, Jeff Howe with you. Puddle of mud, Kansas. Yeah, a little Kansas City action for right. you. I didn't know what the tie-in was, but okay, cool. Trying to keep us uh, in touch with the town. By the way, the uh, quarterfinal round of the Big 12 Conference Tournament is underway. The number five seed, Iowa State, jumping out to a 6-3 lead on Baylor early on. What a weird deal this has been for those two schools. Um, and it was and it was a situation where they opened Big 12 Conference play against each other on New Year's Eve. And then they played last Saturday, March the 4th, to close out the regular season. Second year in a row they've done that. And then they play each other in the first game of the Big 12 tournament. And they split during the regular season, each team winning on the other's home floor. Actually, Iowa State won uh, won those contests. And then Iowa State is out to a 6-3 lead. They'd gotten an early bucket, and then Keontae George hit a three. The net scarcely moved at all. So you wonder if he'll be able to – Recovery. That's a guy, by the way, Jeff, I think um, just observation of the last few games of the regular season may be fighting to try to get through a freshman wall. Um, Possibly, yeah. Um, and, and, and it would be completely understandable. Uh, you know, a freshman, they hit into that. And he's uh, it had he'd had some uh, some shooting issues in some recent ball games. So we'll see. We'll we'll follow that out. We but Baylor and I were staying. He had, the, he had the, the the sick belly or whatever it was before yep. the Texas game. Then the ankle injury on top of that. So yep, yep, they had that early. So we'll uh, we'll see uh, how that goes. Uh, they just had a, a foul at midcourt, and uh, Gabe Kalsher, who got himself quite the haircut before the tournament, uh, took a whack across the noggin and got knocked uh, down to the floor. But he uh, he's back up. So anyway, uh, Iowa State and Baylor are underway right now in the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament. Winner of that game uh, would meet the winner of the Kansas-West Virginia game tomorrow in the first of the two semifinals. Six o'clock tonight for Texas against Oklahoma State. The winner of that game to get the winner of the Purple Bowl, uh, Kansas State and TCU. They'll, they'll play at 830. But right now, let's get a Flex 30 update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Well, the UIL state tournament is underway as well. The two 1A semifinals are in the books. Jeff, I can tell you that there will be no football, basketball, 
double up state title for the Benjamin Mustangs. Remember, they won the six-man state title in Division II in football. In basketball, just as a 1A school in basketball, they fell to the Grayford Jackrabbits. This was a six-point game through three quarters, and Grayford outscored Benjamin in the fourth quarter 25-7. to um, Mustangs only made one of their last ten shots. It was a 15-2 run for Grayford. So the Jackrabbits are on to the state championship. You might have heard me mention it earlier this week, Jeff. Grayford, the alma mater of? Uh, no idea. Billy Clyde Gillespie. Oh. Billy Gillespie. In fact, I called a playoff game when he was playing for Grayford. Uh, so, and of course, he's now at Tarleton. Well, we've mentioned uh, enough former Texas Tech basketball coaches on the show today. What's another one? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, the uh, the. They will move on, Grayford, to the final to take on the Jaybirds of Jayton, who eliminated McMullen County of Tilden. That's the school that won the regional, that 1A Region 4 regional that was played at Burger Center last week. Our friend Victor was down there at that one and saw McMullen County win it. Well, Jayton beat him today 46-36 with an 8-0 run late in the contest. So it is Jayton against uh Grayford for the 1A state title. Those games are in the books this afternoon, the 3A semifinals. Hooks and Hitchcock, Lytle, those Pirates who uh, Cam is quite familiar with, taking on Childress. And then the 5A semifinals tonight, Kimball High of Dallas against Vets Memorial San Antonio, Colleen Ellison against Mansfield Summit. Those are the games tonight. Fighting Harges. Yeah, they are. Uh, the Fighting Mike Harges. And then, and then, uh, and then of course, the uh, the uh, 2A and the 4A and the 6A semifinals will be played uh, tomorrow, and then all the all six of the state championship games will be played on Saturday. So there you go with your Flex 30 update. All right, time now for our second hour Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook that is brought to you by our friend Aaron Bowersock. And uh, your loan, ex- your home loan expert, and your Longhorn lender, check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. That's B O W E R S O C K, just like it sounds. Bowersockteam.com. Just, okay. just, I was just checking out Baylor and Iowa State. You know, your game is moving swiftly when the under 16 media timeout comes right before the 13 minute mark. There you go. Guys are a little bit gassed at that point, just, just a little bit there, so they're underway. Uh, in that one. All right, uh, we have some Christian Jones sound. Do we not, Cam, that uh, we need to hear this hour here for this Longhorn Notebook? Yeah, and Jeff, I think you talked about it earlier in the broadcast. Uh, Christian Jones was asked about the running back situation, and we've heard some reports and what you've written on Horns 247. Make sure everyone checks out that checks that out. Cedric Baxter Jr., one of those names, Jaden Blue and, and uh, Jonathan Brooks, who I don't think is still yet quite healthy yet, Jeff. He's uh, limited right now. We'll say that, and he's you know recovering from that hernia surgery. But it, I would expect him the way Sark made it sound on Monday. I would expect by the time they get back from spring break, I think he'll be up. You know, running full gear. It's a possibility of that. And this audio is Christian Jones, and I believe Jeff, you might be able to set this up better than I was because you were there. But I'm guessing he was just asked about the running back situation right now. Yeah, just in general, losing Bijan, losing Roshan in terms of the production. He talked about the leadership too, but in terms of the production, uh, you know, it, it was twofold. He was asked, one, that's going to put more pressure on Quinn. Do you think Quinn is ready to handle it? And then he was asked specifically 
about C.J. Baxter and his potential impact? Um, our running backs are extremely talented. Um, they learn the playbook really fast, and uh, you know they're they're hitting the ground running, and uh, they're looking real good out there, all of them. He's very natural. He's a natural runner, very fast, um, kind of a, a, a one cut back from what I've seen, and uh, he has a whole lot of ability and a whole lot more potential. Yeah. So, C.J. Baxter's been in that mix. Jaden Blue's been in that mix. Keelan Rob, I'm. I'm almost worried about the Keelan Robinson deal more than I am the Jonathan Brooks deal right now. How so? Well, because Keelan's got some kind of strain. Sark didn't go into detail on what it is, but he wasn't a full participant yesterday. I mean, you kind of know you know what Brooks's deal is. It's just it's just a recovery yeah. from a hernia surgery, and there's more of a specific time on that. But uh, you know, any any time, Craig, you're talking about a speed guy, and you start talking about strains of any type. Uh, you just want to protect that as much as possible. So if we see very little of Keelan Robinson this spring, that's not the worst thing in the world. You'd rather make sure that's not something that lingers for him potentially and just make sure he's ready to go by the time uh, you get into summer conditioning and then camp. Again, if it's something serious, if he's back on the field you know, tomorrow, then – you know everything I just said right. is moot, but uh, no, they've got a good mix of running backs, and uh, but CJ Baxter is going to have a chance. I mean, this is a guy was the number one ranked running back prospect in the country. We had him that at twenty four seven Sports, and in the twenty four seven Sports composite, he was uh, the number one ranked running back in the country, over thirty eight hundred yards in his high school career at Edgewater High School in Orlando. Uh, really productive back in the state of Florida, seven to, over seven and a half yards a carry for his career. So, Craig, you know that's one of those numbers that you look at with high school backs, right? Like a lot of backs can churn up a lot of yards, yards per carry is one that I look at. If you're if you're around seven and a half plus, you're 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 pretty legit. Sure, absolutely. Well, that makes it, and we, and we are going with CJ, right? That's what he wants to go. That, back that's what with. he's. I go by what what are they listed as on the roster? So yes, we're gonna go. We're gonna go CJ Baxter. And I'm I'm sure that John Bianco and Thomas Step asked him. You know what? What do you want to go by? And he said, "Hey, CJ." It's not like it was with with Rod Babers, where Rod was Roderick one season, and then he shows up for spring ball, and all of a sudden he's Rod. So yeah, and then uh, yeah, that, then the whole AJ Williams, Aaron Williams thing. That ah, uh, that too. Yeah, that that was the deal where they started calling him AJ, and we called him AJ, and then Anthony, of course, emailed us and said. His name is biblical. We gave him a name for the reason. Uh, please call him Aaron. And I was like, you got it. And uh, I mentioned that to Mac. Mac said, well, the kid told us to call him, call him AJ. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so so you had that. Uh, is that like I, when, uh, real quick, I don't want to get us too far off on a tangent, but uh, Jamichael Hasty, who's now in the league when he was getting recruited by Texas, his mom, outstanding woman, by the way, she was awesome. She said, "Hey Jeff, why do you when you write stories about Jamaica, why do you keep putting a, an apostrophe in his name?" And I said, "Well, because that's how he told me. Uh, that's how it's spelled." She said, "I can pull out his birth certificate. He knows good and well there's no there's no apostrophe in his name. You just write it the way it's supposed to be written." Because I said I so. That. I said, "Yes, ma'am. I will do that going forward." Didn't you have the other side of that? I've told this story before. Is uh, is when Chastity Fazell played for Texas. Spelled F U S S E L L. We called her Fazell, Fazell, and then John Madani went out to to with the women out to a tournament in Las Vegas. I had a men's tournament going on, and I heard driving back after the men's game, I heard him calling her Fuzzle, and I asked him when I got back, I said, "What's up with Fuzzle?" He goes, "Well, uh, uh, I was told that by media relations because 
her dad said that's how it should be pronounced, Fuzzle. And I said, well, I asked her. She said, Fuzzell. He goes, yeah, but that's apparently what the dad said. I went, hmm. <laughs> so the next home game, I go up to Chaz, and I said, Chaz, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing your name right. And she goes, we did this. I told you, Fuzzell. And I said, yeah, but when you were in Vegas, uh, our guy out there called you Fuzzle because he said he was told. And she goes, did my dad say that? I don't care how he says it. I'm saying my name is Fazell. I said, you got it then. And I called her Fazell the rest of her time. I just saw her uh, when she was at the uh, uh, the, the alumni weekend. It was great to see Chaz again. And and uh, she could shoot the hoop. She was uh, from Tennessee. Uh, did we have any other Christian well, jokes? What we got here, Cam? Nope, one and done. Oh, okay. nice. All right, the, one and, the one and done. Okay. Yeah, and again, right, I've good. got at Horns 24-7, I've got some more notes from that Christian Jones availability. Uh, still talking about C.J. Baxter, but first impressions of Arch Manning, the young offensive lineman, just the young talent that Texas has on offense right now. So you can get over there and check that out. All right. We'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower here on the Horn. We close with this, Jeff. My son Andy sent this to me. Dateline, Cincinnati, Ohio. A big cat found loose in a Cincinnati neighborhood has tested positive for cocaine. Seriously, a wildcat. Mother of God. Uh, dog, dog wardens were alerted to the report what they thought was a leopard spotted in a tree. The wardens were able to retrieve the cat named Amory from a tree, brought it to Cincinnati Animal Care. Uh, big cat experts said, you know, our initial thought was the cat was a hybrid F1 Savannah, which is legal to own in Ohio. But our expert was pretty certain Amory was a serval, which are illegal. A DNA, a DNA test confirmed that Amory was, in fact, a serval uh, and positive for exposure to cocaine. They said he's doing well. Next step for the Cat Ambassador Program team to work with and determine if he's a good fit to be an ambassador animal. That cat so, just, hang, just hanging out on a rock doing bumps or something? Got cocaine kitty. So you got that on that. All right. <laughs> we'll visit with you tomorrow morning. Stay tuned. Chad and Zay are up next. We'll visit with you tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock on Light the Tower.